What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Got two very special guests on, Justin, Dylan Backer. Both of these guys are brothers, part of the Empire Sports Media. Make sure that you guys go ahead, check them out. How you guys doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, so, same here. Doing good. So when it comes to the New York Giants, first thing that I want to talk about before we get into anything too deep is you guys paid Daniel Jones a lot of money. And the money that you guys paid him, I don't think I would consider it a massive overpay. But my question is this. Is Daniel Jones a Super Bowl caliber quarterback? Like, is he going to be able to deliver and live up to the kind of expectations that comes with signing a massive extension? Well, to answer the Super Bowl question, probably not. I mean, Daniel Jones is a quarterback that you kind of have to like have a system built around him, as we saw this year with Brian Dable came in and with a new system and everything, he played well. But before that, you know, for the past four years, it's been a struggle. So I wouldn't say him necessarily is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, but with the right system around him, you can't really rule it out. But as far as Super Bowl, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback like a Mahomes or a Josh Allen or any of those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You know, he's he's a solid NFL QB, but you know, he's not Super Bowl caliber, you know, as of now. And they they paid him a lot of money based off of one season, really, one successful season, you know, which, you know, you expected him to get his money. You know, he expected that. He's a free agent. And, I mean, with the amount of upside he clearly showed last year, it, you know, he was going to get money. But the hope is that, you know, that the contract does live up to where it is. But, I mean, I don't know if he's exactly someone that can lead, like, this current roster to the Super Bowl just yet. I think they still need a lot more pieces. I don't think Jones is, like, the complete difference maker, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So I think like it's more than just Jones. Like I don't like, you know, like what you say with like Mahomes. Mahomes is a difference maker. You know, Mahomes instantly made the Chiefs a Super Bowl team, you know, multiple times Super Bowl champ. Daniel Jones isn't that kind of player. That's just how he is. You know, he's not the type of guy that's gonna get you that far. He needs other pieces around him. You know, it's impressive that he was able to get the the one playoff win with the roster he had, but you knew he wasn't going to get much farther than that. You know the other teams in the NFC were just better than them. It's just a fact, you know. So there's still a lot more that needs to be done. It's not, you know, there's more that needs to be done than just Jones's contract exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and when you look at how Daniel Jones played last year, I feel I feel like he played pretty good, considering the fact that you lost Wondell Robinson, you got rid of Kadarius Tony. He was throwing to guys named Isaiah Hodgins. Like I'm gonna be honest, I didn't know who the hell he was until I saw him manhandling Patrick Peterson. So I just call him the Patrick Peterson stopper or the Patrick Peterson guru because he just be riding out Patrick Peterson, man. Like I was really impressed with what Isaiah Hodgins showed last year. And then you look at how Daniel Jones played against the Minnesota Vikings in that wild card round win. One of the best performances that I've seen out of him in recent memory. And if you were the general manager of the New York Giants, and you were at the negotiating table with Daniel Jones, and you had to look for reasons to be willing to give him this kind of money, what would be those reasons? Well, when you win a playoff game in the NFL, you get paid. That's just kind of how it works. Like, if you win a playoff game in the NFL, you're going to get paid. Now, I don't know if I would have given him $40 million a year, 
that seems a little extreme considering he had one good season. And it's not like he was an all pro or anything. You know what I mean? Because, okay, the quarterback's making 40 million or more. You know, you got Aaron Rodgers, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. Um, I think Russell Wilson is in there, but like, you know, Russell Wilson's, yeah. And then you got like Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford. Now, would you say Daniel Jones is as good as any of those guys? I, I don't know. Probably not. He's better than Russell Wilson. That's probably about it. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. You know, I, 40 million a year seems a little extreme, but it's not the the most egregious thing in the world because he did win a playoff game. And when you win a playoff game, you get paid. Yeah, he's got a point. I mean, you know, 40 mil on the surface sounds like a lot, but I mean, he did win a playoff game. So it's like, you know, he deserved to get money. And I'm pretty sure that playoff win alone earned him an extra five, ten million dollars out of that contract alone. So, you know, that right there, you know, you kind of earn your money that way. But I do think, you know, it's you're banking high on him. You're banking high on him to continue to be successful. And that's obviously not a guarantee, you know, because, you know, the first three, three, four seasons in the league, he was not you know, the greatest QB. He was one of the honestly one of the worst QBs in the league. And then he turned it around. But in credit to the new coaching staff. So I do have confidence that he'll you know, continue to be a serviceable NFL QB. Do I think he'll perform consistent like he did in that playoff game? I don't think he'll be like that every game, but I do think he'll be serviceable. You know, I do think we can have another decent season with him, but I do think there's more that needs to be done. Like I said before, that needs to be built around him. You know, I don't think Jones is someone that can like, you know, carry the team necessarily. You know, he was pretty much doing that for most of last season. I mean, yeah, it got us a playoff win, but you knew it wasn't going to get you much farther than that. So, like, if you want to go gold and get that Super Bowl, you got to get more pieces. You know, we still have holes to fill at the wide receiver slots, at the linebacker slots. I know we picked up some good guys in the offseason so far, but, you know, there's still some holes that need to be filled. You know, the the left guard spots, the center. We don't even have a center right now either. So, you know, we're going to have to draft somebody. So, you know, there's a lot to be done. But, I mean, 40 mil a year, I mean, it's a lot. It's banking high. It could pay out. It could honestly do not be good at all it could end up you know just not working out that's what happens though you take that risk i mean if he you saw what he did with with uh, the new coaching staff so you just hope he can continue to develop and continue to get better he's still a young player so he does have that time he does have that wiggle room and we did kind of get a bit ahead of schedule with winning a playoff game in dable's first year i mean i don't think anybody expected the giants to even make the playoffs nevertheless win a game in the playoffs so there's the expectations are quite high and i think this contract kind of set the bar high for jones as well but, you know, we'll just see how it pans out next season, really. When you look at Daniel Jones as a runner, he's one of the most athletically gifted quarterbacks in the NFL. And that may be a surprising statement. But if you actually watch Daniel Jones, I mean, he's up there now. He's not as talented as a runner as Lamar Jackson is. But when you look at his running style, it's really tough. This guy has really deceptive speed. You give him green grass, this guy's a threat to take it to the crib almost every single time. And I think with Daniel Jones, you know, it's like you give him the keys to the Ferrari, he can get you to where you need to go. And when you look at this past year's conference championship games, three out of four of them were playing on cheap deals. And three to four years, do you think that this Daniel Jones deal is going to look better with how the salary cap is going to go up and how the quarterback market continues to fluctuate? Or are we going to look back on this move and say, yeah, the New York Giants probably made a big mistake when they did this? Well, I don't I don't think it'll age horribly. 
And I say that because the market continues to fluctuate. Like you said, like every year the market goes up. I mean, look, look at the money Deshaun Watson got guaranteed. You know what I mean? Now Lamar Jackson is demanding money that's pretty similar to that. So this is just going to, the trend is going to continue with every generation of quarterbacks. The money's going to go up. So five years from now, if Daniel Jones is only making 40 million still, you know, we might, he might be like, what, like the 15th highest paid quarterback by that time. Right now he's like the eighth or ninth, you know? So I don't think it would be that bad because he'd be around the middle, which hopefully that's where he is, if not better in five years as a quarterback. So I don't think it'll age horribly to be honest. No, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, you know, like you said, quarterback market fluctuates a lot. And I mean, you know, the money always keeps going up. Players want more money. That's just how the market works these days, you know, in any position. So, you know, maybe, maybe he's, you know, Justin's got a point. Maybe in this four or five years from now, that contract won't look so bad because it'll be like, oh, you know, they got him 40 mil, decent NFL QB, you know, and it's nowadays that guy probably would have made 50 million or 60, even like closer to 60 depending on how the market fluctuates i don't know how much it'll fluctuate but you you get the point like you know it'll go up so yeah maybe it won't look so bad but you know if he plays just terrible then it probably won't be a good look just regardless you know if he plays terrible then you know 40 mil a year will just look awful because now you're, you're kind of stuck with him because you can't move that contract if he's playing bad so you're pretty much stuck with that so it's a high risk but it does come with a reward though so you know there's we're just gonna have to see. We're just gonna have to see how it pans out. If you guys aren't subscribed to the channel already, make sure that you do so. Like, subscribe to the JT Sports YouTube channel. We upload NFL and college football content daily. Listen to the JT Sports podcast. We are available on all podcasting platforms: Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the JT Sports podcast. Check out our guys, Empire Sports Media. We have Justin, Dylan on. Tell the people a little bit about what you guys do and where they can find you at. Uh, well, okay, so I don't really write for Empire Sports Media at the moment, but um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is JustinBacker18, just my name and then the 18 right at the end. Um, you can find Dylan, though, on Empire Sports Media. He does podcasts for the Knicks. He'll, he does uh, podcasts for the Giants. He writes for the Knicks, Giants, Yankees, all that stuff. So if you like New York sports, go and follow him on Empire. Yes, definitely. You know, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is DylanBacker underscore. You could honestly just type in my name and it should come up. You know, I have about 1,400 followers on there, so it should come up. Uh, I post on Twitter every single day. I'm very active. I talk a lot about the New York Knicks, but I also cover the New York Yankees a lot. And, of course, the New York Giants, you know, whenever they're in season, I cover them all the time. I write about the New York Knicks. You can also find me on Fireside Knicks podcast. I just started doing them every more often. We're going to be doing them about like three times a week. So you can catch me on there every every so often. We released an episode yesterday, actually. You can find it on my Twitter. And, you know, you can follow Fireside Knicks on Twitter. I would suggest you do that as well if, you, uh, if you're a Knicks fan and want to go check that out. You can also go check out Fireside Giants. It's a Giants podcast that uh, is usually ran by Alex Wilson and Anthony Rivardo. They're usually the ones who do it. They do a great job. They're fin they're phenomenal. They run a great podcast. You could also go follow Fireside Yankees if you're a Yankees fan. They Ryan Garcia and Nick Nelson are the two guys that mainly do it, but you could also follow Sam Bucchini, who's also a part of Fireside Yankees. And for me, if you want to go check out like my articles, I also write for Empire Sports Media covering the Giants, the Yankees, and the Knicks. You can go check those out. You can just go on EmpireSportsMedia.com and then type in and then uh, go to the Knicks section. 
You could click on my name. You could even type in my name in the Google search bar if you want, and you'll find all my articles right there. So that's where you can find me. All right. Once again, you guys make sure that you guys check out Empire Sports Media. We will have the link to all of their social media platforms and the links to their podcast down in the pinned comment section and description down below. You guys traded for Darren Waller. You pretty much got him for a bag of chips and a stale soda. What does Darren Waller bring to the New York Giants offense when he's healthy? Well, I, I think he brings two things. You know, uh, this guy, the last two seasons, obviously he's been injury prone last year. I mean, he missed, I think, like eight games. His hamstring was bugging pretty much all season. But um, when he's healthy, this is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I mean, this guy was up there in the conversations with Kelsey and Kittle in 2020. You know, this was this is one of the best tight ends in the NFL when he's healthy. Um, he's basically a big receiver. He came in as a receiver to the NFL. So, you know, I think he brings a vertical threat too to the Giants offense and it allows us to utilize Daniel Jones's arm strength, which is a underrated aspect of Jones's game. He hasn't really gotten to show it off because well, Giants don't run a whole lot of explosive plays. We were near the bottom in explosive plays last season because we didn't really have any deep threats. Our our best deep threat was Darius Slayton, which we all know like he's going to drop that. I mean, like that's just how it is. I love Darius Slayton, but he doesn't make those plays. So, having Darren Waller, I feel like you know, it it brings a whole new dynamic. You know, you can um, you can go underneath with Darren Waller. You can go long with Darren Waller. And I like the idea of him and Bellinger as like a two tight end kind of duo. I like that idea. And I also think Darren Waller brings a lot of uh, like veteran experience. This is going to be like his eighth season in the league, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, he's a he's got a pretty inspiring story. This is a guy who struggled with drug addiction at the beginning of his career. You know, and, you know, he looked like he was going to be out of the league, you know, and then he can, he comes back. And he becomes one of the best tight ends in the NFL and has drawn out a really nice career for himself. So I think having that kind of veteran presence is good for a young team because, yes, we made the playoffs last year, but, you know, the team is still rebuilding. So this is still a very young team that's rebuilding. So having that kind of veteran leadership presence is, is very good for a young offense, in my opinion. No, yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, Waller Waller brings that size and that ability to run and make those catches, you know, like you said, the explosive plays. You know, last season the Giants were pretty dependent on the run, and that's partially because, you know, the wide receiver room was constantly changing because of all the injuries. You know, Daniel Jones didn't have the exactly great weapons to make those good plays, you know. So we didn't really have a guy that we could, like, go to for a big play deep ball you know we were like you said last in the league in big plays we, we had like one of the lowest marks in plus 20 plus yard plays you know out of anybody last season so having waller already opens up the offense more if it can if they can really click well then the giants offense could be like a dual threat type offense you know they could kill you with the run and kill you with the deep ball you don't know what to expect you know because daniel jones is a great runner as we all know but what justin said you know his arm is underrated you know with a few times he's gotten to show off that arm strength he, he's shown he can he can throw it down there he can get it far down the field and he can be accurate with it he just has to get into the, he's he's better with the ball placement nowadays he's got more accurate with it the interceptions were down last year so you know, having Waller really automatically makes a huge difference in the Giants offense alone. I still think they need to do some more things in that. You know, they got Paris Campbell. I know that's a good move too. But for Waller in particular, that's a huge upgrade, massive upgrade. And I do think like immediately it makes the Giants offense more legit, you know, because last season, more people, not many people took the Giants offense too seriously because it was mostly just Jones and Saquon. And, you know, they, they're obviously dependent on the run. So if you stop the run, then you can't really go far with that offense, right? But now 
you added Waller, so now you have to watch out for him. You can't just like you know you can't just not bat an eye at him. You have to take him seriously. So it definitely can, you know, like you said, it brings a whole new dynamic to the Giants' offense for sure. I definitely like the move 100%. And we got him for nothing. We got him for a third round pick, essentially flipping Tony for him. So it's a great move in my opinion. It's a great way to start the offseason, really. So I heard a report that said that one of the reasons why he was traded away from Las Vegas was because he recently got married and Josh McDaniels accidentally, according to reports, leaked out that he was getting married before it actually occurred. And Darren Waller didn't really like that. And it was some friction there. What are some reasons that you guys heard for why this trade happened and why you guys were able to get him for what you guys got in return? Well, what you guys gave up for him? Well, you know, the Raiders are, you know, they're a mess right now. You know, Derek Carr just left. Derek Carr just went to the Saints. So the quarterback is gone. There's no quarterback. You just took away Darren Waller's quarterback. And now you have this little drama, whatever, with McDaniels and Waller's marriage. So, you know, it's at that point, you kind of just got to get rid of them. You know, they're kind of tearing it all down, it seems. They're not going to compete in that division. So, you know, I feel like the Giants took advantage of that. And they got they took the pick that they got from trading away Kadarius Tony, and basically flipped it for Darren Waller. You know, obviously right now Darren Waller's value is a little down because he's coming off a injury riddled season. He just missed eight games. His hamstring was messed up all season. So honestly, this is a perfect time to try and make a move like that. They didn't have to give up too much for him. If they would have tried to trade for him two years ago, you would have had to give up a ton of assets. So, you know, I think the Giants jumped at the right opportunity. To be honest. No, yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, if he stayed on the Raiders, it would kind of just be kind of awkward, you know, with the whole thing with McDaniels and, you know, the marriage, like you said, it would, it would just feel kind of awkward if they kind of stuck with him. So they kind of had to find a way to move on from him and get him somewhere else. And, you know, I do I agree that, you know, the Giants took the right opportunity and, you know, basically got him for nothing. It's a it's a low risk and a very high reward trade, you know, you because you, you, you could get a guy right here who could be, you know, if he stays healthy, he'll once again enter that top top five tight end convo again. You know, he'll once again be in that same, you know, tier as like, you know, Kelsey, Kittle, you know, guys like that. He'll once again be mentioned in those conversations. So, and, you know, like you said, you flipped him for basically Tony, who didn't want to, clearly did not want to play for the Giants. You know, he faked injuries just to get off the team. And, you know, even when he was injured, you know, he, he was just never on the field. You know, it was just not a right match. You know, the, the the pairing of Tony and the Giants was just not there. It was not there. It was meant for Tony to be somewhere else. And you know, it worked out for Tony. He got a Super Bowl ring. So congrats to him. You know, but I do think this will work out for Waller as well because now Waller is in a better situation, a team that's ready to, you know, build a winning culture again, a team that's really on the come up, a team that really looks like they can be something very, very soon. You know, so I do think, you know, getting Waller for essentially nothing is a great start to the offseason. Like I said, it's a step in the right direction. You know, they're making, you know, it's good to see Joe Scone actually making moves like this early in the offseason because it shows like he he knows this team can be really good if they just get the right pieces that they need. You know, and tight end was was a position of need. You know, Bellinger was good last year, but you know, he's a rookie. You need you kind of need some veteran presence, like you said, you know, with Waller. So and, you know, it's a, it's also a superstar tight end when healthy. You know, you immediately upgrade that position within an instant, you know, and the offense immediately jumps from being just, you know, below average passing offense, you know, run heavy offense to now. A possible dual threat offense so you know like i do i definitely think you know giants took the right opportunity for sure 
outside of Darren Waller, what free agency acquisition do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the New York Giants this upcoming season? Uh, well, you know, I think there's two moves in particular that I think are the most eye-opening. Uh, the Paris Campbell move was really underrated, in my opinion. Paris Campbell's a very good receiver. He's on the come-up, basically. Um, and we need to upgrade our receiver room, obviously. Like you said earlier, we had Isaiah Hodgins, who was on the practice squad for the Buffalo Bills as far as November. You know, that was our main guy in the playoffs, Isaiah Hodgins, who wasn't even on the team until week, like, 12 or 13, you know, very late in the season. So that's immediately upgrading the, the wide receiver room. And I also like the Bobby O'Karaki signing because uh, our linebacking core was one of the worst in the NFL this season. I mean, Michael McFadden was the week one starter and he got cut a few weeks into the season. That was our starter and he got cut. Jalen Smith was starting games at linebacker in 2023. I mean, like linebacker was a mess. It was a mess. So, you know, I think those two moves in particular are the biggest upgrades. I would like to see the offensive line get upgraded. Because, uh, you know, we don't, like Dylan said earlier, we don't even have a center right now. So, uh, yeah, but those two moves in particular, I think, are the most impactful so far. And I think they'll have the biggest impact going forward. Yeah, no, and those are actually my two biggest impact ones, too. I mean, so far they've been, aside from the Waller trade, they've been the major moves so far for them, really, only those two. But, you know, Paris Campbell, you know, I went through his film earlier. He's really fast. He, he's tough. He's hard to tackle. You know, he makes catches. He's always catching the ball. He doesn't drop the ball a whole lot. You know, he can get in the end zone quite a bit, too. It's a very underrated signing for sure because, you know, like you said, the wide receiver room badly needed upgrades. You know, Isaiah Hodgins was cool when he came last year, but, you know, you can't depend on it. You can't exactly depend on a guy to do the exact same thing for a full season when you only got a glimpse of when you only really got like about a six, seven game glimpse of him. You know, it was encouraging to see what he did in the playoffs, Hodgins in particular. But again, it's a small sample size. Now let's see him do it again in a full season and see if he can continue that. Because if he can't continue that, then we then we you know we have a great wide receiver room. We'll have it with him and Campbell, you know, and hope and hopefully Wandell Robinson's able to come back at some point in the season and be healthy again, you know. So then and then we'll have Waller at tight end. So then the wide receiver room will instantly look a lot better. But it was constantly revolving last year. It was a revolving door of new receivers coming in from the practice squads or you know from different teams. Just it was a mess last year in the wide receiver room. So getting Campbell, a guy who's durable and you know if he could stay healthy and be you know the guy he was last year, who got made some nice catches, made some nice runs. He had a breakout season really with the Colts. You know, so I'm hoping that he can continue that with the Giants, and I do think he'll make an instant impact though for sure because he's a, I noticed too he's a good route runner. He finds his way to get open. And that's a big thing. You know, Jones always, Daniel Jones used to always throw a lot of contested balls, you know, to, to receivers, you know, but if they're open, he can hit them. You know, and I noticed that last season, he was a lot more accurate with that. If receivers got open, he was able to find them and he found them really quickly. So I do think Jones and Campbell can be a nice connection early in the season for sure. I do think they can be a nice connection and I do think it's a good signing. And Okereke as well, you know, the linebacker situation was just awful last year. Like you said, it was terrible. We needed badly needed upgrades there. So hitting Okereke, who's really durable, you know, he plays a lot and he plays tough. He hustles every play. He plays until the final final uh, second of the game. You know, that's a good signing right there. That's a very underrated signing. You know, a lot of Giants fans were kind of just like when they signed him, they were kind of like, who? Who is this guy? But, you know, he he's a good player. Very solid player. And I do, I do like the signing a lot. I definitely think it's way better than having Jalen Smith back there again. You know, we I don't think we could go through another season of that, quite frankly. So... I'm very pleased with that for sure. 
And, you know, like Justin said, also, I agree, you know, the offensive line definitely needs some upgrades. You know, Evan Neal was not great last year. You know, we're, we're still giving him a chance, but, you know, maybe maybe we need to experiment moving him somewhere else in the line, you know, on the offensive line, maybe in a different spot. I don't know. We're just going to have to find out about that. But we don't even have a center right now. I think that's that's an, that's something that has to be immediately addressed. You know, it'll probably get addressed through the draft. So hopefully they can draft someone decent at the center position and, you know, have a good offensive line because the offensive line has given Jones issues all the time. You know, Jones has very little to, little pocket presence because of that. You know, Andrew Thomas was a great left tackle. And then Evan Neal was one of the worst right tackles. So you, there was an inconsistent mix of that. And, you know, when you have that, that's not good for Jones because, you know, he's forced to scramble and forced to change up his play. You know, it doesn't give him time to find his receivers to get open down the field. That's why we were one of the worst teams in big plays, down big explosive plays. So I definitely – but, you know, to wrap up the point, I definitely like the signings we got so far. I'm hoping and really excited to see what else they do. So – Let's just keep it going. I'm hoping they can make some good signings, though, because I'm really encouraged by what they've done so far. I would say mine's probably a really underrated name, cornerback Amanya Rurie. He's played his first couple of seasons with the Detroit Lions. Last year, without a doubt, was the worst season of his career. But prior to 2022, you can make the argument that he was Detroit's best cornerback by a landslide. And although the Lions secondary hasn't been good, Amania Warrior has shown some pretty good flashes of what he can be, what he can put it all together. And he's had some pretty good seasons. He's had some pretty good stretches. You put him there and that Wink Martindale defense, what are you expecting out of Amani? Do you think that he ends up getting one of the starting cornerback jobs? We know you guys are going to bring in some competition. Is he more of a death piece? Um. You know, I think he'll definitely compete for the starting job. I, I could, right now I view it as a bit of a, a depth piece, like you said, because we do have we have a, like a pretty decent secondary. Our secondary was okay last year, but you know we have like Flot that's going to be competing for that starting spot. We already have a Dory who's going to be the starter. Uh, I'm pretty sure Aaron Robinson's coming back too. So those two are probably going to be the the front runners for the the two starting uh, spots on the outside. As far as like slot corner, you know, I could see. I could see him making a run for the starting spot, but at the end of the day, he's probably a depth piece. Same thing with uh, McCain, who we just signed from Washington. He's also probably going to be a depth piece as well. So, you know, I think the Giants are bringing in competition for the secondary, kind of depth, because our, our secondary was banged up all last season. I mean, McKinney got hurt, missed a whole bunch of time. Adoree got hurt, missed a whole bunch of time. Same thing with Robinson. I mean, the whole secondary was injured. I mean, in the playoffs, we were starting like Flaw and Moreau. So, I mean, like, it just wasn't great when the, all the injuries happened, obviously. But, you know, if everyone's healthy, those guys are going to be depth pieces. And I think I think that'll be valuable because, I mean, those guys, our, our original starters get injured quite a lot. So, you know, it's always good to have depth I, the way I see it. So No, yeah, I, I agree. It's, you know, it's a depth piece. But, you know, like Justin was saying, it's good to have depth because I was just going to bring up, you know, all the injuries last year. That's why we needed it to have all these cornerbacks come in, you know. So honestly, bringing in these pieces for depth is a good thing because you know it'll help reinforce that in, in case injuries do happen again. Injuries happen a lot in football; it's a tough sport, so you gotta expect some players to you know miss games or go down with injuries. It's unfortunate reality, but having these depth pieces like you know the cornerback you just mentioned and having like McCain as well, those are those are crucial. Those are underrated depth pieces right there. You know they may not be like massive game-changing players, but 
just having them available for you at any time is a big thing because they are NFL starting level players. You know, they may not be, like I said, they may not be like game changers. They're not Tyran Matthew or anybody like that, but they're, they're NFL starting level players. You know, these guys, they're not like practice squad players that you're pulling in to have to start crucial games. You know, you don't want that. Even if they do play well, you don't want to have to keep bringing in guys from the practice squad to fill in spots for big games that you need to win or playoff games or anything like that. You know, the NFL is a short season, 17 games. So you have to win pretty much any game you can get. You, know, you can't afford to have to, to kind of just throw away a game, you know, essentially, but doing that. So having these debt pieces to fill in possible injuries or, you know, resting or anything you know to fill in any any sort of fill in really is huge you know and they and who knows maybe they'll show out in camp and show out in preseason and find a way to get a starting nod who knows you know that can always happen too and that would be great too if they do play well and they can break out with us because you know wink martindale clearly showed last year that he can run a good defense you know our defense was pretty good last year it wasn't you know obviously it wasn't perfect defense but it got us to the playoffs. It was a big reason why we were nine and eight or nine, seven and one, whatever. It got to the playoffs and even won a playoff game. It was a big reason why. So, you know, having these pieces is huge. So, yeah, definitely. The NFL draft is just around the corner. You guys are picking currently 25th overall. What are some targets for you guys going into the first round? Uh, in the first round, definitely receiver. Um, I'm a big fan of JSN and Zay Flowers. Those are my two top targets. Um, I would like to see the Giants draft one of those two. Uh, obviously, just bolster up the wide receiver room. Uh, kind of get a redo for what happened with Kadarius Tony because obviously we drafted Kadarius Tony two years ago and he's he's gone. You know what I mean? So, uh, kind of get a redo almost with one of those guys. I would think. Um, and quite frankly, I think those guys are better than Tony. So, uh, yeah, definitely one of those two. Those Zay Flowers and JSN are my two top targets for the first round. No, yeah, and I, I agree with that because, you know, we wide receiver badly needs upgrades. You know, we got Campbell, yes, but we still have more work to do in that department. You know, Campbell is not is not expected to be our wide receiver one, you know, so I do think we still have more moves to make, and I do think, you know, starting with the, with the draft and getting a receiver in the first round with our first pick would be huge. You know, I like the two guys Justin just mentioned. You know, those are the guys that I've been keeping an eye on as well. I do think they could be an impactful piece to the Giants, you know. And like he said, you know, it will kind of give us, you know, hopefully what we thought we were going to get out of Tony. You know, we thought we were going to get an explosive young wide receiver out of Tony. It didn't pan out. Injuries happened. He wasn't really on the field. Got traded. You know, he's gone. He's he's a flash in the pan. Now he's gone. We, we got to move on from him. So hopefully he you know, whoever we draft can kind of give us what we were hoping we would get out of him. Because, you know, when we got Tony, everyone was like, oh, they got Tony. That's a nice guy. That's a nice pick. But, you know, it didn't pan out. So hopefully they can pick someone that will, you know, be impactful and can stick around and hopefully stay on the field too. Those are two big things right there. So hopefully they can do that. And, you know, like I said, just kind of fill in the void that was left when, when Tony was gone and when Tony was never on the field. So... What kind of wide receiver are you guys looking for? Are you looking for that receiver like Kadarius Tony, who you get the ball in his hands in space and he makes people miss? He can do a lot after the catch. Are you looking for a big body wide receiver? Because you guys did sign Kenny Galladay, even though that was by the previous regime. You guys were still searching for that big body wide receiver. What are you guys looking for more? The big body, the big play, 50-50 ball receiver, or the guy who can get a lot of yak? Um, in my opinion, I kind of want the big body. 
you know, we haven't really had that in a, in a really long time. We just got Darren Waller, who's going to act like a big body receiver, basically. But that's a tight end. On, on In terms of wide receivers, we already got Campbell. So that's kind of like our speedy guy, I guess, if you will. You know, now we need like a big body, a big physical receiver. Because Kenny Galladay was supposed to be that. But he's gone. You know what I mean? And as you said, it was previous regime. New regime, it's different. But I still, I want like a, a big body receiver that, catches the ball a lot because that thing we need people who can catch the ball because you know as you saw in the playoff game against minnesota darius slayton had a crucial drop in the fourth quarter i mean you need guys that can just that can catch the ball and, and you know kind of take that stress off because you know it's hard enough with for daniel jones as it is being that the o-line is so bad so you know you need to make it a little easier for him and get them guys that can actually catch him the ball you know what i mean so i, I need a, we need a big body that can catch the ball in my opinion no, yeah, I agree. We definitely need a big body type guy because we already have guys that can kind of give you those yak yak plays. You know, we have Saquon who's pretty good with that. You know, you pitch it off on the screen play and he just takes off for big yards. He already he kind of acts like a wide receiver in a way, but obviously Saquon is a running back, not a wide receiver. So you cannot rely on him to make all those plays. You know what I mean? So we already kind of have that addressed. You know, we have good running already with Jones and Saquon. We kind of already have like yards off runs or yards off catch already addressed so we need big we need big hitter plays you know we were like i said we were bottom in the league in you know big plays big explosive plays 20 plus yard plays so we definitely need someone like that waller is a good start but we need we need a receiver that can like you know you need let's say you need a big play you know it's tie game is fourth quarter there's 30 seconds left you know you're down by a touchdown you're all the way back on your side of the field you need a big play you need a receiver who can get you that who can get you that big play, you know, someone that you can depend on if you throw it deep and you can hope that he can catch it, make a play on it, you know, at least get you closer to the end zone and give you a chance to even tie or win a game. You know, you need you need game-changing players. You know, I don't think they're necessarily going to get, like, a superstar receiver. That would be a pipe dream. But I do think they need to go after someone that can, like, be a big difference maker, make the make the the, the offense just a completely different look than it was last year. Because last year it was incredibly dependent on the run. And then, you know, as once a team figures it out or if a team has a good D-line, it's it, you know, you're kind of stuck because then you're forced to go through the air. And when you don't have the weapons in the air, then there's not much you could do, you know. So if they can get a good weapon in the air, a good, you know, a good receiver that can make a big play, then that'll be huge. That'll be huge going forward. So I definitely think we need to go after somebody like that. If you guys don't get a receiver in the first round and you guys go offensive line, let's say you guys take – Osiris Torrance out of Florida. I really like him a lot. 6'5", 330 pounds. Pretty much the only offensive alignment in this draft class who was able to stand their ground against the, the beast from a pocket that is the monster, Jalen Carter. If you guys take him, you show up the offensive guard position. How would you feel about that? Would you rather still take a receiver in the first round, wait later for that position, or would you be okay with it? Um, I would be okay with it. I, in my personal preference, I would rather go receiver in the first round. There's just too much talent at receiver in the first round to kind of pass up on. I feel like if you pass up on one of those, it's going to come back to bite you. You can, you can take care of the offensive line through the rest of the draft. We have our picks. So, you know, I, I think you should, I, I would be okay with it if they addressed the offensive line in the first round, but preferably I would like them to address receiver in the first round. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, offensive line is about probably just as big of a need as wide receiver, but I, in my opinion, wide receiver is more of an urgent need. You know, offensive line, you have you have guys that, you know, like you said, you can fill into the rest of the draft or even, you know, even maybe someone from the practice squad, even you don't want that. But, you know, 
there's it's they're an easier replaceable spot than a receiver. A receiver plays a core role in an offense. So you need, you know, you need receivers that can make you plays like right now. You know, you it's not like we're not in the phase anymore where we're like where we're trying to just develop people and be a tanking team. No, we're trying to go back to the playoffs. We're trying to get deeper in the playoffs. You know, we need to address the urgent needs that were clear flaws last season and wide receiver was clearly the biggest flaw last season and quite frankly entering this offseason still was. So we need to definitely, you know, go for that, you know, go for the home run ball really and go for the receiver in the first round. Because like Justin said, you know, you can go, you can address the offensive line and any lineman through the rest of the draft. It's They're easier to find throughout the rest of the draft. You know, if you pass up on a good receiver, it's going to come back to haunt you. You know, you're going to be like, oh, we should have taken that guy. He could have been making big plays for us. Him and Jones could have been a great connection. You know, if you're going to pay your quarterback $40 million a year, then you best go get him weapons to be a serviceable QB, you know, that's the way I see it. If you can get him good weapons, you know, to continue to be serviceable, then he could be elite. He could end up becoming a top 10 QB one day. You know, that's a pipe dream, of course. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, he could. I'm not going to rule out that possibility. You know what I mean? He, You know, what we saw last year was a flash of what he really can do, and that was with the limited weapons he had. You know, the wide receiver room was constantly changing. He never had consistent, you know, players in the offense. So, you know, if they can get him a a big piece, you know, a big, big play playmaker type guy, then, you know, who knows, you know, the possibilities are endless, really, you know, the offense will completely be a lot more explosive. So I definitely think, and, you know, you can't win games if you can't score. So you got to be able to address that issue. And I do think that's something that is like a core issue. I think that's something you have to address first and foremost, be like, okay, we have to get a new receiver. We have to upgrade the wide receiver room. The wide receiver room is pretty, you know, pretty limited right now it's not you know it's pretty empty we need to upgrade that spot we need to get guys that'll be durable that'll stay here that'll actually make a big impact on the offense you know so yeah i do think they need to address the receiver first yeah and i also would like to say that uh when you have a mobile quarterback like daniel jones you know one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league really you know you can afford to address the offensive line in the later rounds. We've two, uh, two, uh, two out of the last three drafts, we addressed uh, the offensive line in the first round. We took Andrew Thomas and then we took Evan Neal. You know, obviously Evan Neal, you know, very rough rookie year, but you know, Andrew Thomas also had a rough rookie year and now look at Andrew Thomas. So, I mean, you know, there's always room for Evan Neal to grow. So if you can get him to grow now, you, you got two like elite tackles, you know what I mean? So, you know, when you have a mobile quarterback too, you can kind of afford to take care of the offensive line later in the draft. You know, so, yeah, I just wanted to add that, basically. Saquon Barkley, you put the franchise tag on him. Do you guys expect for him to get a long-term deal? Or do you guys think that after this season, he could potentially be playing elsewhere? Uh, I think it's going to depend on his health. If he if he plays the entire season and he has another great season like he did last year, um, I could see the possibility of him getting a long-term deal. That would be two straight seasons where he stayed healthy and performed at a very high level. Uh, obviously, the franchise tag worries me a little bit because Saquon wanted no part of that. You know, he he wanted like McCaffrey money, which I don't know if I would have given it to him after one season of staying healthy because obviously he's been riddled with injuries the last couple of seasons. He's a superstar when he's healthy. He's one of the best running backs, if not the best running back when he's healthy. But you know, this the way this season is going to play out will determine his future contract really like i think this is basically like his contract like you know how last year daniel jones had his contract year he balled out got a big payday now it's saquon's turn he's playing under the tag if he plays great stays healthy has another fantastic season then yeah he might get a big payday from the giants i mean i don't think he's a, a surefire thing to come back 
obviously because he's playing under the franchise tag right now. Like if he was a surefire thing, they would have taken care of that now. But, you know, uh, it's going to depend on how this season plays out with Saquon, to be honest. No, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, it all depends on how he plays, really. You know, if he stays healthy and can stay on the field, then, yeah, maybe he will find a, find a way to get a long-term deal with us, you know. But like Justin said, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of him going elsewhere either because maybe the Giants won't be willing to give him the so-called McCaffrey money that he's looking for. You know, maybe they won't because, like Justin said, I mean, if they wanted to just do that, they probably would have just done it this offseason and given Jones the tag, you know. But they went ahead and stuck with Jones. They, they wanted to you know, build around him. They, you know, they kept, they put Barkley on the tag, but, you know, obviously that could very well change. You know, who knows? Possibly, Barkley will probably stay, but, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll hold out if he wants a contract now. Who knows? I mean, I wouldn't rule out that possibility. Do I think that's likely? No, I don't think it's likely, but it could happen. You can't necessarily rule it out until camp begins and you find out for certain. But, you know, I definitely think, you know, like Justin said, it just depends how he plays. You know, if he stays healthy, has another explosive season, then yeah, he'll probably will get a long-term deal somewhere because, you know, he's proven to be just that that impactful to an offense. I mean, you know, he stayed on the, on the field this year, and I mean, he he and Jones basically led this, you know, wide receiverless offense to the playoffs and a playoff win. You know, that's that's pretty big right there. It should kind of just show you how much he impacts winning when he's healthy and when, you know, when obviously when Jones is playing well too, you know, I know the first few seasons of Saquon's career, you know, he'd been injured a lot, even his rookie year, he was healthy, but you know, giants were just not a good team. So, you know, nothing really formulated there, but you know, now, now things are looking up and you know, he, they want to play off game as a, you know, a big time result because of him. So, as long as he did play well again, then yeah, I can expect a long-term deal somewhere. I would hope he could stay as with the Giants. You know, being a Giants fan, I would love that. But I also don't want to hand him out too much money if he's not going to be healthy enough. You know, so they got they got to be very cautious with this. I, I I don't think going with the tag was necessarily a bad idea just because of that. You know, I think this is kind of now Saquon's prove it year. Like, all right, prove to me that you could stay healthy all year again for a second time and be just as impactful as you were last season. If you do it again, then here you go. Here's your contract. You know, here's a big deal. Here's your McCaffrey money that you wanted, right? So as long as he could do that, then yeah. So he kind of controls his own destiny at this point. He's kind of controlling his contract here. If he wants a big contract, show to the Giants why you deserve it. And let's see how it pans out. When you look at the running back position, there's not really a lot of teams that view it as I won't say a necessity, but a lot of teams don't really prioritize it in today's NFL versus two decades ago. If you lose Saquon Barkley, would you consider that a huge loss or do you view him as being replaceable, although he will, you know, leave elsewhere that will hurt you a little bit? Do you think that the Giants still could be able to win the championship without Saquon, or would he be a really key piece for that coming around and happening? Um, well, I don't think you can really replace, quote-unquote, a superstar talent like that. But if Saquon were to go elsewhere, um, you know, the Giants do already have a really good runner with Jones. You know, I mean, obviously he's not a running back, but he was the second-best rusher on the team last year. I think he rushed for, what was it, like, 700 yards or something like that i mean like that's that's almost running back numbers you know what i mean so you know and brian dable he obviously knows how to work without an elite running back obviously he was you know the offensive coordinator in buffalo they had devin singletary that's not an elite running back you know what i mean so they use josh allen a lot they would use josh allen's legs as we saw this season with daniel jones he used his legs more you know he was involved in the scramble game he would there was even design runs for him 
you know, we really hadn't seen that before with Daniel Jones, and we saw what he could do, and we go, oh, wow, this guy's actually a really good rusher. So, you know, if Saquon were to go elsewhere, I don't think he's replaceable because he's a superstar. But, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world. They can, they'll figure it out. I, I, I believe that Brian Dable is more than capable of, you know, creating a good offense without Saquon Barkley. Right. You know, like just said, I mean, Dable, Brian Dable's clearly showed that he works well with mobile QBs. You know, Josh Allen is one of the best mobile QBs in the NFL, you know, so just he's clearly shown he could do that. So, you know, if we lose Saquon, you know, you still have Jones, you still have a fantastic rusher on the team. You know, it'll it'll hurt, obviously, losing a superstar talent like Saquon, like Justin said, you know, that that's obviously never fun. You don't want to lose a superstar talent when your team is on the come up. Right. But, you know, they they at least have Jones. They at least have a decent rusher, so they can at least probably. I have confidence that they can at least find a, you know, a serviceable replacement, quote unquote, for Saquon if they if Saquon were to go elsewhere. You know, obviously, you can't expect them to play on the same level as Saquon. You just can't because it, it'll, you know, it's not going to be the same tier running back. Most likely, it'll probably be like someone like Matt Breida. Maybe that'll get more reps. I don't know. Maybe they'll go get somebody. I don't know how they'll address that. But you know, it it will hurt. But like I said, we have a decent rusher already. Brian Dable's clearly shown he can work with a mobile QB, and clearly it showed last year as Jones was one of the better was one of the better rushing QBs in the league last year. I mean, you know, off the top of my head, I only only mobile QB I could think that was much better other than like Josh Allen was like Justin Fields was great at rushing and run and throwing, you know, and then you have like Daniel Jones, you know. I mean, Daniel Jones was was that good at running and throwing last year. You know, he was. So if he can continue that and if he can step it up to even another level to like uh, even even possibly a Josh Allen type level, that'd be amazing, you know, and then maybe you can afford to not have a superstar running back per se and focus hopefully on getting superstar receivers, you know, that way you could go through the air, you know, a lot more often. And that way you can also, like Justin said, you know, they ran some design runs for Jones a lot last year, you know, and they worked. So, you know, you have that option. You have the ability to use Jones as a runner. Obviously, Jones is not a running back, of course, but, you know, you have the option to use him more with his legs. He's clearly shown that he wants to use those legs. Sometimes he doesn't have a choice because the offensive line kind of kind of screws him up a little bit, right? But he's proven to be able to escape escape that pressure really well. So, you know, we have that. So I obviously don't want to lose Saquon. I would hate that because, you know, he's a superstar talent. But maybe if for the long run it means we get better receiving talent, then maybe it's better. Who knows? Once again, we have my guys, Justin and Dylan, part of Empire Sports Media. I appreciate you guys for coming on. One last time, let the people know where they can find you and what you have planned with the draft just around the corner. Uh, well, you guys can find me on Twitter. Uh, I tweet about the Yankees, the Knicks, and the Giants. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me right now. Eventually in the future, I will have more plans coming up, and I'll put those on Twitter whenever I get to them. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can uh, you know, also find me on Twitter, you know, Dylan Backer underscore. You can find me there. Uh, you can find me on EmpireSportsMedia.com. You can just type in on Google EmpireSportsMedia.com slash Dylan Backer, and you should be able to find me right then and there. You can also find me on the Fireside Knicks podcast. I do it with my co-host Ryan Garcia. We do them about three times a week. So we just we uh, you know, we'll do those a few times a week, and then uh, yeah, you'll find me there. You could also find me, you know, with my articles at Empire Sports Media. So, yeah, those are where you can find me. And uh, hopefully soon I will also get involved with the Fireside Giants or Fireside Yankees. I'm hoping I can do that very soon. You know, the Yankee season's about five days away. So, you know, hopefully pretty soon I could kickstart that. 
and then yeah well that's where you can find me so make sure that you check our guys out we will have the links to all of their platforms their social media all that good stuff down in the description and comment section down below once again i greatly appreciate you guys coming on if you guys haven't already make sure that you leave us with a five-star review the jt sports podcast is not just a youtube channel every full episode and video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on all podcasting platforms apple google spotify amazon wherever you get your podcasts from you can find the jt sports podcast and i appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the pod